Welcome to the Happy Rant Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends, my partner in radio, Barnabas Piper. Pipe, no Ronald again this week. Do we know where he is or what he's doing? Instagram tells me he's at Tybee Island, Georgia, so just outside Savannah, um, living that beach life. Suffering for Jesus down there. Man. Yeah, I think this is just like vacation, vacation. Uh So he went from retreating... To home for like a, a minute and a half, and then realized they needed a vacation, and now they're yeah. now they have vacated Ohio and are and are beach living. Hey, can I ask you something about his Instagram? Um, yes, I, I have a friend who is a big fan of the show and follows Ronnie on Instagram, and he's like, "Dude, I think your boy's about to quit the show." I was like, "Why?" He's like, "Cause he's being all he's being all coy and vague and talking about like big life decisions and clarity and." I was like, yeah, that's just how he is. You know, he's he's kind of an exhibitionist when it comes to that stuff. But um, have have you sensed anything on his Instagram pipe that would lead you to believe that he's about to quit the show? I mean, in the same way that he's been about to quit the show for four years. Mm-hmm. So no, yeah, I think is the answer to that question. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Ron likes to he likes to make people think he's always about to quit. So the so that we're well, and and we're always kind of yeah, wooing him and back. Yeah, they're they're we gotta be careful here, I think, because there are a lot of people who, you know, who are in his life in some capacity and so we don't wanna, you know, yank anyone's chain. But yeah. the man literally talks about what's next constantly. Dude, he does so, that's fascinating. His for for a guy who loves to live in the now, he also always has his eye on the horizon. Yeah. That's so interesting. it's a I feel like that would cause me to have like a personality split to be so kind of constantly torn between yeah. I'm I'm dwelling with my cup of tea and then <laughs> yeah. also what grand scheme is is working on the horizon. I mean, I think I think Apex Mountain for Ronnie is dwelling with the cup of tea while dreaming about the horizon. Like I think that's the that's the ideal moment for him. Um, that that just sounds impossible to me. I feel like those are two distinctly different things, dude. But yeah, we saw we kind of saw him do it at the retreat. Like his his happiest moments were when he was scheming up some new thing, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, like he likes to do shop talk. He likes to do like church celebrity gossip. Like he loves that stuff. But um, I think he really loves the new idea pitch. Um, so yeah, he's probably he's probably sitting on the beach, dreaming big dreams. May may or may not be back to the show, but uh, but we'll see. We'll find out. Piper, you know who is back to be. Go, yeah, go to ahead. be fair, listeners who've been with us for a while, this is the conversation we have every summer. Yeah, every- when Ronnie disappears, and and we're like, well, we don't know if he's coming back, and then he comes back. I mean, it's just yeah. There's a rhythm to this, dude. I have, so, a, I have an outdoor in, cat inhale, exhale. Like it's that. all going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like my outdoor cat. You know, we feed him, yeah. we treat him well. He disappears for a little while. Um, just when you think he may not be coming back, he he makes an appearance. So uh, and act as if he's never been gone, just like a cat. Exactly. Exactly. Like what's what's the big deal? Why is everybody so Why is everybody so worked yeah, up? Yeah. I've only been gone for four months. Four months. Yeah. It's just a little retreat and a vacation and a conference. I'm I'm good. I'm back, back in the studio. Piper, you know who is back with the program? It's Dwell Bible. Um, they kind of did the they did the Ronnie thing a little bit. 
Um, they wandered away. They made us miss them a little bit. And uh, now they're back. So twel- tell us about our, our new old sponsor, Pipe. Our new, our new old relationship. That's yeah, right. our on, on again, off again. <laughs> so Dwell Bible is an audio Bible app, listeners. If you've been with us for a while, you will be familiar with this. Um, if you go to dwellapp.io slash happy rent, you can see some of their features. You can also see the discounts they have for our listeners. Um, but let me tell you about it before I lay out the discounts. So it is a, it's probably the best audio Bible experience available right now. There's a lot of audio Bibles where you can just listen to scripture, but this has a whole bunch of different features that allow you to engage scripture in different ways. And a newish one that they've rolled out is a read along thing. So it's a, as you listen, it will, it will scroll the text and you can modify that to be, you know, however you like to read bigger font, smaller font, different backgrounds, et cetera. So if, if a pure audio Bible you know, sometimes sometimes it's hard to catch everything or, or reflect on it in the same way. If you want to read along with it, they actually have that built in, so you can and it'll it'll pace at the same at the same pace as the listening. So that's a new feature they've rolled out. They have a sleep timer. They have I think twelve different narrators and and multiple versions and musical backgrounds. The whole shooting match. So check it out. Uh, in terms of discounts, so again, the, the link is dwellapp.io slash happyrant. It's 10% off of their annual subscription, which is only $26.99 a year. So uh, really inexpensive. And then lifetime. So as they add features and build this out, you'll just have perpetual access. It's a 33% discount, uh, which is a $50 savings. So Instead of $150, you're paying just under $100, $99.99. So dwellapp.io slash happyrant. Really encourage you to subscribe. Ted and I both use this with regularity. We really love it. It's a great way to, to get scripture into the parts of your life where it's hard to just sit down and focus and read. Um, and and that's, you know, obviously there's a great benefit to that. So again, go to dwellapp.io slash happyrant and check it out. Piper, fantastic. Dwell, welcome back. I'm a huge Dwell guy, dude. Huge. Been using it a lot in June, man. It's been kind of a tough June, so uh, been a little glum. When I'm glum, I uh, I dial up a little a little dwell Bible and. Uh, are you are you usually glum post school year? Is Dude, that uh, is yeah. sort of a sort of a letdown after after a sprint to the finish? Yeah, it is a letdown. You go you kind of go from like performing, um, in the classroom several times a day to like kind of nothing, and usually. Maybe this is getting into a longer discussion. I don't know. Usually I've got a book project or something that I'm working on every summer that I'm excited about. And I don't have that this year, dude. Um, and we're and we're way too close to finished with the Happy Rant book for you to kind of throw yourself into it. Yeah. There's not a ton there's not, to be done. There's not much. Teaser left. listeners, we, we've made great progress on it. We, we're literally within probably... 10% of, of finishing our first draft. Dude, we've had a blast. That's been that's been an amazing process. And uh, yeah, the publisher will then change two thirds of it and then we'll we'll have all the edits to go through. But and I'm I'm more confident than ever of that happening due to something that happened a couple of weeks ago. But uh, but yeah, dude, just kind of glum, kind of feeling like my career's circling the drain a little bit. Do you ever get that feeling, Pipe, that like maybe you're a cold product now? You know, and and like I don't feel like I've got too many cards left up my sleeve. Which which version, like the teaching career? No, or no, no, no. Writing career. Teaching career is good, man, and and Lord willing, that'll last a long, long time. But yeah, the writing part. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't think I get the same feeling as you because I've never thought of it as a writing career for me. Whereas uh, you you yeah. actually made your living as a writer, or like yeah. that was the the bulk of what you invested your time in. For me, it's always been a, um, it's been a a second thing in yeah. terms of. 
what demands the most time and what pays the most money. Yeah, no, that's good. That's a good way to think about it. And I, I mean, I should think about it as a second thing because that's literally what it is now. But um, yeah, it's just like every year I've had kind of an exciting book deal to power me through the summer. And uh, and this year, no such luck, man. So uh, so yeah, it's just been a little glum. It's been a good, uh, it's been a good dwell month. So I'm glad they're back. Um, pipe. I got. Can I ask you a quick question yeah. about about the 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 kind of feeling like you're, you know, you don't have something that excites you right yeah, now. Yeah. You know, we've talked about writing inspiration on the show before. Mm-hmm. I read a quote from, I don't remember. It was like Stephen King or something. It was mm-hmm. a, it was a very prominent author who has said a lot of good things about writing, and they basically said inspiration comes in the work. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't. Like you don't get inspired and then work. You yeah. work and the inspiration comes in it. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering in these glum moments, do you ever just sit down and just sort of start grinding out junk words mm. to, uh, you know, to just, just kind of see what comes together and see if something sparks mm. kind of like, you know, to use an analogy, you know, like they teach a, they teach boy scouts how to start a fire with like spinning a stick between their hands. <laughs> yeah. And so there's just like boring blister causing friction until sure. something sparks and, sure. and fire catches. Do you, do you kind of work that way? I don't work that way. And I think that's a function of, yeah, doing it professionally all those years. I had to be so economical with my time. So I'm really out of the habit of, we've talked about this before, like I don't write for free anymore. So like I'm, I'm writing some this summer, but I'm writing columns. Like I'm writing my, my little column for the paper. That's fun. I'm probably doing more of those. I'm definitely doing more of those than I did during the school year. Um, and, and those are a good time, but I don't know why I'm fixated on the book, but it just seems like, yeah, the book stuff might be over, you know, and, and it's such a young man's game. And, you know, you hear about all these young whippersnappers with all their, their little ideas and they're getting deals and, you know, but you know, you know what else it is though? What? It's an old man's game. Talk about that. I'm interested. Like, so everybody, you know, there's a bunch of young up and comers and I would kind of put myself on the back end of yeah, that. For sure. You know, like I'm, I'm pushing 40. I've put out a few books and like yeah. it, it's lost its room. It's lost its room. Oh, for sure. But yeah. I, I probably still have some more things to write in me on that end. But then there's like a 15 to 20 year gap mm-hmm. of like, you're not cool. Yeah. It's not fresh. Yeah. You're not pouring yourself into social media marketing and what are you? That's kind of where you're at. Yeah. You're in that like, I'm not young and cool. I don't care about all this. It's not romantic. Then you reach the Ray Ortland, J.I. Packer, R.C. Sproul, <laughs> Eugene Peterson. Yeah. There's a guy named Harold Sinkbile yeah. who has written some pastoral care books. Now, granted, those are all in a genre. They're sure. kind of theologians. Yeah, yeah. But there's a... There's a, there's a nice you know, old man moment coming if I can just yeah. grind it out for another 12 or 15 years. Or just, yeah, or just kind of do what you do on the side, like mm-hmm. find the other things. So like you take somebody like Ray Ortland, mm-hmm. who faithfully pastored for a lot of years and didn't put out a ton of books. Yeah, yeah. Then he retired from the senior pastorate and has begun to pour himself into writing more. And so I think that, you know, the last stretch of his ministry, he's going to crank it out with a lot of collected wisdom. Yeah. And uh, there's merit in that. I think, I think the trap that it's easy to fall into for guys like you and me is the thought that if we don't produce a book every two years, say, mm-hmm. we we stop mattering. Yeah, yeah. And I sure. think that's, if you can write, you can write. And the fact yeah. is, you still write better than everybody putting up first-time books. Like, yeah. I just see all of these books coming out, and I'm like, 
unimpressive, boring, mm-hmm. repetitive <clears throat> sermon series, yeah. you know, et cetera. Yeah, for sure. And and so, yeah, just like sit on it. Something's going to coalesce, you know, by the time you're 50. That's going to be like, <laughs> yeah. that's a way better book than you would have put out now. Yeah, no, you're right, man. Even though that takes patience and, and you know, probably some existential angst. Oh, you're right. And, and yeah, you know, the only people group that survives in middle age in this like 10 to 15 year window that you're talking about are leadership scumbags. Those are the only uh-huh. middle-aged guys who are like <laughs> making it and they're insufferable. Um, yeah. And that definitely won't be me. So yeah. It- when, Cause I was thinking about this as I was kind of like, I don't have another book idea in mind after we put out the happier book. Yeah. I was really grateful for that. Cause it was oh, yeah, a fresh too. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I'll have another idea, but I was thinking about it. I'm like, okay, I, I can't do a parenting book. Yeah. Um, I can't do a marriage book. Mm-hmm. I can't do a leadership book. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could do a leadership book, but yeah. in good conscience, I can't. Yeah, right. Um, I can't do a book about pastoring. It, it, so it, it, you just sort of, it, until you're on the back end of those things and right. you can be like, here is wisdom yeah. of decades of experience. Yeah. Or you have like a fresh take on an idea. And like when you're raising teenagers, you don't have fresh takes on anything. Man, that's so true. Yeah, you're just... <laughs> there's, no, there's no fresh takes amongst parents of teens. You're just like, you know, please be home by curfew and don't get anyone pregnant. And yeah. or don't get pregnant as the case may be. <laughs> you're just sort of like playing defense. Dude, you're surviving. You're problem solving. Yeah. And and you're only, if you're lucky, looking one or two problems down the board. But But yeah, that's so true. Like you're... Your mental and emotional energy is just focused in different places. And I mean, it's a difference between us and Ron. Like Ron's empty nesting. He has been for like almost as long as I've known him. So Ron's almost reverted back to being 20 again in terms of, yeah, it's all about me. Like, let's let's do some ideas, you know? Where am I going? And I'm like, man, that, w- that looks fun. Um and it will be fun, Lord willing, if I can get there again. But uh, yeah, yeah, there will come a time when ideas are not exhausting anymore. Ah, that's right. Yeah, they're very exhausting right now. Um, yeah, I see an idea and I just see like it would take so much to put that into motion. I don't know if I have it in me. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and you think about it and then you look at your watch and you're like, crap, got to get the kid to practice. Like, yeah, okay, exactly. well, that, that idea just got shelved until I'm 50. It's like, so true. Just happened. It's so true. Yeah, yeah. It's such a weird, it's a weird space to be in where you're right. Like, I know I can still write and I still very much enjoy writing. And I'm fundamentally at odds with writing for free. But like, that's probably what I need to be doing now. Like, I need to just be messing around with something and, uh, and kind of seeing where it goes. Um, yeah. Interesting. Good thoughts, pipe. That was, uh, that was helpful. A little counseling time for me. So, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll swipe we, my insurance we, we card. We have to do that periodically on here. We need, especially, especially for you, Enneagram four glum folks. We need oh, to dude, it's the worst. It's the worst pick, way to pick live. you guys up a little bit. Dude, what's the, what's the worst? Gosh, not to turn this into an Enneagram podcast. I really hate myself <laughs> now. Um, what, what's the, well, you're not using vulnerability voice, so it's not a true. <laughs> exactly. And I'm not like kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of. Uh, qualifying everything, but um, so like, what's the what's the downside to your enneagram approach? And I, I'm thinking specifically in the home because KK, God bless her, she was in here just a minute ago. She's gone now, so I can say this. She, um, I think she really loves my personality, but she does get tired. Like she's got a glumness kind of um, 
threshold. And when I, when I hit that threshold, like she's just done with it. Um, do you have anything like that, that like manifests in your personality, like in the household as an aide? Yeah. Except, except it's, it's, it doesn't turn nearly as inward. Mm-hmm. It, I, I just become an a-hole. Uh, how, like, what does that look like? I mean, they call, so I'm as an, as an Enneagram eight, when I'm, when everything's good, I'm pretty, I'm always kind of driven and intense to a degree, but yeah. I'm pretty even handed and listen, you know, do a better job listening to others and kind of working through things with them and being a problem solver and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Uh, when I'm not doing well, I, I just don't like other people very much. Yeah. Everything is annoying to me and I snap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my kids bear the brunt of that because they're the most annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, and not not because they're worse than any other kids, but just because sure. they handle things like adolescents do. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and so I just like I have to perpetually pull myself back from me. Like, why am I even mad at that? Right. Like, that's the same thing that they do every day. And today, I decided I want to bite their heads off. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I also just I don't care about stuff. Like, I get to yeah. the point where I'm like, this I don't care. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And then I get mad at how it was handled because at some level I still do care. Yeah. And so. On the creative side, it, it's uh, I don't know how it plays into that as much. I think it's it's a lot of like I just don't do stuff that I don't want to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just like no, I don't. Nope, not gonna not gonna do that. Not gonna invest in it. Don't care about it. Yeah. Until there's a deadline, and then I kind of buckle down. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's and and all of that is when I'm in the you know I'm in that that's my version of glum is yeah. generally just being kind of aggressive and cranky, aggressive, cranky, angsty. What's interesting about what you just said is that from an industry standpoint, like that's where our two Venn diagrams overlap. Like when I'm, when I'm glum, I just can't imagine wanting to write a book proposal. You know what I mean? Like the idea of making this sales document and trying to get the agent to like return a call just to get some crappy book deal. Like it just seems like a mountain that I can't climb and I have no interest in it. Um, but yeah, it's uh it's interesting, man, as as things change. But what what was really helpful about what you said though, and I think it rings true, is the aspect of doing this while trying to raise teenagers. Um writing is an inherently selfish activity in that while you're doing it, it is kind of all about you. Um and parenting is fundamentally at odds with that. Um <laughs> In that you have so true. you have two teenagers who are at some level all about themselves, and uh, your job is to get them places and help them problem solve. And I mean, it's just different. You know, it's a really it's a really different thing. And hopefully, the Lord. I mean, I know the Lord will use it. He'll He'll use it to refine us and make us into who He wants us to be. But um, yeah, sometimes it's it's fun to just be excited about a project selfishly, but. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe that'll happen again. Maybe we'll get a happy rant essay book volume two, um, which I did sort of casually push for in, uh, in that meeting that I alluded to earlier. So, uh, I don't know if that'll go anywhere. Well, maybe we can find, maybe we can find our way out of our respective, uh, glumness and, and angstiness to actually promote this book when it comes out, which is a thing that both of us don't enjoy doing. So dude, I think, I think I'm going to promote the crap out of this book. I really want to, I want to do that as an experiment. Like, I just want to try it and see how it feels one time. (laughs) And also I want to do another one of these. So, uh, we need to, we need to sell a ton 
we need people buying like cases of these books. Um, just, yeah, just giving it out to everybody for yeah, like give it out to what everybody would it be, like mother, mothers and fathers day and graduation presents. Oh, phenomenal! Next year. Yeah, phenomenal right graduation time, right? gift. Amazing mothers and fathers day gift. Yeah, Memorial Day for sure. Um, yeah, just a nice <laughs> huge July Fourth gift. Yeah, that's yeah, what, that's what this is going to be, dude. That's what we need to do. We need to hit the second tier holidays with this, man. Uh, that needs to be our marketing approach. Um, pairs well with sparklers and watermelon. Exactly, dude. And sweat. Um, yeah, I like it. No, it's going to be a great book, dude. I'm stoked, um, for that thing coming out. That was, that was a fun one. I wish there was more of it to work on. You know what I mean? Like it almost went so fast. I wish, I wish it was, it was still around. Um, but yeah, wow. That just that just means we've got fodder for uh for a second one if we decide to if we decide to do that. Oh, dude, we got we got mad fodder. I mean, you know this this thing could it could go on forever. So uh, hopefully there'll be a second one. Pipe, I've forgotten what we were even going to talk about. Um, this has been good counseling time, though. Yeah. Uh, well, you you wanted to so you had two ideas. Yeah. Uh, well, the first one, which is kind of in line with the writing thing because yeah. it is a use of words thing, was the the gross overuse of brilliant and genius. Yeah, dude. So yeah, and I was curious where you were coming from with that. Aside from like that, that it exists. Yeah, you've reminded me of of a couple of things that I came to the table with this morning that I'm a little angsty about. That's one of them, and it's it's just a function of like, I think it's my workplace, right? So working in academia, and then working with kids in academia, like they're forever kind of abusing the word genius and brilliant about people that I know who I know aren't brilliant or geniuses. <laughs> I mean, it's like, and not to say that they're dumb people, but it's just like, not everybody can be brilliant or a genius, you know? So like, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to a student and I'll be like, you know, how was so-and-so's class? And she'll be like, oh, you know, amazing. He's just brilliant. And I'm like, yeah, you know, are we using the word brilliant? Like, really? You know, he's a, he's a smart guy you know, good teacher, whatever. Like, I think I'm a relatively smart guy and a good teacher, but I do not think I'm brilliant. Like to me, brilliant exists on like, that's on another level and it's reserved for like five people. Um, but I feel like I can't get through, a, through, through a day without somebody using brilliant or genius in reference to somebody who definitely isn't either of those things. Do you see that? Well, there's, like, there's also there's also the mistake of attaching brilliant to a person instead of to a phrase or an idea. Right. So, an an entirely fine professor yeah. could explain something in a brilliant manner, and that was the, like that was what they had to offer. Sure. Everything else is fine. Yeah, but in that moment, they expressed something brilliant. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think I think a lot of people are capable of that scenario. You know, you can you can be not a brilliant person, but you can. You can explain things brilliantly or have a brilliant turn of phrase or uh or a brilliant podcast. But um but yeah, by and large, most people aren't geniuses. I just think we've cheapened the word, you know? I think yeah. it doesn't mean anything anymore. When it's yes, it's it's absolutely true because it's uh when if a superlative is used commonly, it it just means it's common. Yeah. Which Ergo, not a superlative. And so, yeah, best, brilliant, genius, you know, whatever, all of those things are, you, it also makes people kind of unreliable. Yeah. If they're perpetually calling something brilliant, you go either A, you're very dumb. <laughs> right. And so everything is brilliant compared to you. Yeah. Or you don't know what this word means. Mm-hmm. 
or you don't, or you're just, you're just throwing words around as if they don't have meanings. Like what if, if, if that, if that, you know, street taco was brilliant (laughs) and that, that person's, you know, yard landscaping is genius and their interior decorating is like, what is brilliant? Right. What does it even mean? Right. It just means decent. It means good. It means noticeable. Um, that's what I think it means. I think it means noticeable. You know, I noticed how somebody landscaped their yard or made a taco or whatever. And, uh, and the word brilliant has, has become the stand in for that. You know what it is, dude? It's like, it's like the college football bowl system. Like (laughs) everybody goes to a bowl game. There's like 120 schools playing division one college football. 90 of them go to a bowl game. And it's like you're five, you went five and six in the Mac and you're Toledo and you go to like the Poulan Weed Eater Bowl, and it's like, yeah, sweet dude, we went to a bowl game. You know, we're pretty good. Brilliant, yeah, brilliant. You know, we won won five games, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, and the the other effect is that every other compliment then becomes it sounds like an insult. Yeah, that's true. You know, somebody somebody says a meal was really good. Yeah, well, huh. it wasn't better than good. It was just good. Good is good. Good like, is that, good. That, that, yes. That, it, I used to have this. I used to have this reaction on, uh, you know, doing. I would, you know, get my annual review at work, and there yeah. was like f- fails, <laughs> under expectations, meets expectations, etc. Yeah, and like I would get meets expectations on a good portion of these scenes. These things and exceeds bomb. expectations on a few of them. Never got like yeah super exceptional, and I was always like meets expectations. That sounds bad. They're like no, that literally means you're doing exactly what we hired you to do. Right. Yeah, but it so, sounds like you're a C student. Exactly. So it's actually a good thing, but but yeah, you walk away from it being bummed out for some reason. Um, yeah, we need to reclaim the word good, you know, or decent or whatever. Um, like, yeah, just it, it, there's a whole array of words. So, for example, you know, let, let's take the let's take the interior decorating example. Yeah. You know, instead of being brilliant, it's it's what is it? It's creative. Yeah. It's pretty. Mm-hmm. It's uh, comfortable. It, I mean, there, there's so many words that describe it that are not. This was done by a one of a kind. Ra- this is a one of a kind, rare, right? You know, paradigm shaping thing. That's what brilliant ought to mean. It's like this is kind of a blew my mind scenario. Exactly. Dude, can I ask you an interior decorating question as a fellow straight man? But yes, I'm guys, I'm the perfect man for this question. You're you're a you're a fellow straight man who like me has moved down here from the north. Uh have you noticed anything about like interior design in the south? Because there's a few things about it that I just kind of they're head scratchers for me a little bit. And I, and you live in the land of the hipster there in Nashville. So maybe it's maybe it's different for you in Nashville, but I feel like the kind of suburban uh decorating aesthetic in the south is like jam your house full of tchotchkes have a huge sofa like one of those gigantic sofas with like a huge back that goes up way too high you feel engulfed by it and then the other thing that i see a lot of in the south dude is like gigantic like fathead sized wedding portraits like you and your lady over the mantle from your wedding and it's like the 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 people in it are like four feet tall um my question to you is, is this weird for you? Because nobody did that in the North. Uh, I just feel like it was a way different vibe up there. But I see a lot of so, it down here. I think I don't even notice because I've, I've grown up kind of 
southern adjacent my whole life. Oh, that's my right. Parents yeah, parents are both from the south, yeah. and so and like I think my mom brings some of that southern decorating sensibilities to be like she has something on every windowsill, every wall. Yeah, like knickknacks yep. and, and it's kind of a, it, it's like the southern menagerie. Yeah. Um. And so I don't think I even noticed the wedding portrait thing is really funny, especially because it timestamps your living room. Totally. So you could have this super like sleek, modern, you know, kind of <laughs> mid-century modern kind of yeah. thing. But if you were married in like 1992 yeah. and you have that portrait up, it's like, well, this is a 1992 house. Exactly. Because that mustache says so. Yeah. He has 90s hair and a mustache and like, yeah, a cummerbund and all the, all the 90s stuff. Yeah, for sure. It does. It does timestamp the living room. The other thing they all have, and your mom probably probably rolled like this, they've all got the formal dining room in which each place setting has like 14 little plates stacked upon each other and like a big like cloth napkin wrapped in yes. it. You know, it's like lashed with something. And yeah, it's just a lot, dude. Yeah, there's a spoon or a fork for each dish. So it's not yeah. just like salad fork, main fork. It's like Egg spoon, yeah. grapefruit spoon, soup spoon, whatever. You know, I just move on down the line. Yeah, it's it's uh it's like yeah, it's like solving a puzzle. It to is get out of there. It's like an escape game to eat dinner at those places. Dude, it is, but nobody ever eats dinner at those places. Like that's true. Yeah. It's it's also you don't touch that room, yeah, except for like three times a year. Exactly. That room is just a showpiece. Like it's just to look at. Um, the, uh, the hipster aesthetic is very different than all that. Partly cause they're, none of them are really Southern. They all moved in from somewhere yeah, else for sure. or are trying to escape their shameful Southern roots. Dude, now explain uh, to me what you're seeing in the hipster realm interior design wise, because I, I want to know like how much of what we're doing accidentally, like, uh, is hipster adjacent. So there, there's kind of two versions. There's like the yuppie hipsters and that's uh -huh. a ton of mid-century modern kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, think like, um, madmen just yeah. everywhere sure um the other version is like mismatched old stuff or yeah. everything looks old yeah so you know beat up writing desks uh -huh. and kind of a coffee table that doesn't go with the end tables it doesn't go with the bookshelves but they're all kind of in the same general wood yep color scheme or painted the same way um farm tables abounding oh yeah tons of, of yep. like those farm farmhouse tables which by the way the reason that happened is because there was a stretch of time and it may still be happening where every guy wanted to get into woodwork and the easiest thing to build is something that you cut a bunch of rectangles and then you know attach them and that's Dude, a farmhouse table i want to go so, like one minute on that and then let's get back to the hipster aesthetic thing because this is fascinating what like where where did the fascination with woodworking come from like what movie or what piece of pop culture like drove that drove all these hipsters to it. Cause I, I think the, I think the wood, the woodworking bubble is, is about over, but, um, what do you think caused that dude? Oh, it, it went right in line with like the urban farmer thing. It, yeah. it, it was just call it the Wendell Berry effect, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's uh, it's like the manly Wendell Berry effect. So yeah. you can either go like grow a garden or you could go like <laughs> wield an ads and an awl and a hammer and yeah. Yeah. get into this thing. And and it it was the very beginning of the side hustle thing. Oh, and that's so right. Yeah, everybody well, wanted to have like a second thing they did, and then they didn't realize that unless you are exceptional at it yeah. and you have a ton of expensive tools, you make no money at it. Yeah, because you 
or it's not worth your time because you just put in like 72 hours to build a table that somebody wants to pay $400 for and you want to charge $1,400 for and you know, <laughs> exactly. now it's not going to work so well. Exactly. So it, 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 it was a lot of, I think it was a, a lot of that. So, you know, it went with the chickens and it went with yeah. the growing your own garden and yeah. all of that stuff. All that stuff was big, dude. Let, let's get back to the, uh, the interior design aesthetic for hipsters. So a lot of farm tables we're seeing. What else? Yeah. And, and wall art is you, it, it can be very random. So yeah. black and white photos are a big thing, yep. you know, so whether it's family history or like mm-hmm. your own family or, or scenic kind of stuff, um, quotes, yeah. but not a lot of like, not don't, don't think like word art that you get at like, you know, some, some boutique kind yeah, of thing, yeah, but yeah. other, other kinds of stuff. Also, uh, the the other option is pretty minimal, like uh-huh. a room that has like a couch and a TV and like a lamp, and that's kind of it. Uh-huh. There's there's not a lot going on in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh it's definitely not the like knickknack, every wall decorated, formal furniture, no formal dining rooms, a lot of like yeah. eat in kitcheny kinds of things. Sure. Um, yeah, just oh, and then the other one is the. Like the back, the back deck or back patio or backyard, depending on how big it is, with the lights strung up. Like, the oh, dude, the involved. lights strung up is standard yeah. procedure, standard hipster procedure for sure. Uh, Which is, and frankly, I mean, they're they're really nice. Like, if you're yeah. sitting out there and hanging out with friends, like it's it's yeah. a nice it's a nice vibe. But like, it's a it's a thing that has it's now moved outside the hipster community. So maybe it's yeah. maybe it's being rejected by that community because it's no longer unique. Yeah, but it was it was definitely a thing for a while. Hey, tell me if you're seeing this in the hipster community, interior design wise, like a an old ladder, like an old wooden ladder, like leaning against a wall that leads to nowhere. Are you seeing that? I feel like I've seen it a yeah, couple or- times down here. <clears throat> Or you can hang it on a wall horizontally, and then you can set stuff up in it. Yeah, there you go. Yep, yep, yeah. And that's yeah. That's the thing is like you got the it's it's the reclaimed thing. So yeah. like, or, or you see like a, you know a random garden tool mm-hmm. in the corner, and like that's a decoration. Like, why is there a hoe in your corner? I don't know. It's just <laughs> yeah, yeah. Aesthetics. It's left over from my like urban gardening phase. You know, uh, so good. A lot of lot of turn lot of a uh, lot of vinyl turntable sound systems built into the decorating too. Yep, yep, for sure. That's the thing. Now, hearing you say all of that, I would say that like accidentally we're probably 60% there. Um so yeah, like I I don't think our house would like pass true Nashville hipster like muster, but it's it's close. You know, it's close. Well, and and I would lean much more towards the hipster style mm-hmm. of, that I just described than I would the, like, southern thing. Yeah. Because one of those is, like, a formal culture thing. Like, the yeah. dining room and the decorations and, like, there's kind of a... Like, you walk in, you're like, oh, I just walked into a status symbol. Right. The hipster side is you walk into a vibe. Yeah. You know, and that's... Those are, those are very different things. And so the vibe, you can kind of do whatever you want with, but there's just a common set of sensibilities. Yeah. You know, hipsters are still very excited by finding things at yard sales and and resale shops and things like that. And so there's... They're going to do something creative with it. Yeah. And as opposed to the, like, the southern lady of the house who's like, <laughs> I bought everything from Williams-Sonoma for $8 yeah. million. Dollars. Dude, the Williams-Sonoma for $8 million thing... It makes me sad, and here's why. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay a piece of our decorating aesthetic on you, and you tell me if it's hipster or not. Um, 
because I've always been at odds with the Williams Sonoma approach of like go and pick out a vibe. I see to me yeah, like I you feel buy like, a room. Yeah, you buy a room. Like I, to me, I feel like the vibe has to happen to you due to like the kind of life you've lived or the kind of experiences you've had. As such, like almost everything in our house has a story behind it, and almost everything on our walls or in our house has sentimental value, such that going into any room is really an exercise in like it's almost like a museum more than like a decorated house and to me that just makes sense because you know you're not you're not wasting motion like everything everything has a story and that's how i want it to be but like is is that a hipster like motivation um i i think they want it to look like that but they don't they don't buy like that or or collect like that yeah maybe maybe when maybe when the hipsters have have owned a home for 15, 20 years. When they've lived enough life. Yeah, that'll be the case for sure. You know, you guys have, you guys have had to make choices of, do we replace this thing or do we keep it out of sentimental value? Or like somebody has passed on stuff to you and you're like worth it or not worth it. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're 30 or 27, you don't really have a lot of that. You're just like, Hey, I found this really cool end table. The, the hipster, like the, the kind of young hipster thing is, I found this. I don't really know where it goes, but I love it. Yeah, yeah and then you yeah. find a place for it. And yeah, they know. So they, you know, they'll 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 probably work their way towards where you are, or they'll get a job that pays them a ton of money, and they'll flip and be like, I'm buying rooms. Yeah, yeah, I'm you know, buying. I'm gonna rooms. buy the dining room. I'm gonna buy the living room from right. you know what whatever restoration hardware William Sonoma whatever I'll buy faux character you know and yes. uh that that's what you're getting you can you can pay a lot for faux character last question on on hipster decorating aesthetics how do they handle like the family picture in the home issue and i'm going to frame this in the context of like the 80s and 90s and again maybe this was a northern thing but i think it was more an 80s or 90s thing in the 80s and 90s like the family would have sort of the picture hallway or the wall yes. kind of heading up That's the exactly staircase. what I was going to say. There's the family picture hallway with like different school photos. Dude, and right. Photos. Yeah. And like yeah. the senior picture of the kids and like <laughs> some posed like family portrait that they got a Sears or whatever. Like, I feel like nobody does that anymore, but yeah, we should just call that like the, the Olin Mills hallway. Yeah. The Olin um, Mills hallway. Like how do the hipsters handle stuff like that? Uh, it's more scattershot and it's, it's mm-hmm. candid's. So it's like, this is the selfie we got when we were at the top of Half Dome or whatever, you know, Um, at our favorite wine bar and see the flush in our cheeks. We were just a little bit lit and those, those kinds of things. Uh Um, So it's, it's, it's going to be more of that. And there's, it's like the photo collage type of thing rather than the like organized wall of family pictures. But here's the other thing is like, Mm -hmm. Most people are not, they don't, they get less hipster the older their kids get. Totally. Like in the same way that we get less creative raising adolescents, they yeah. get less hipster raising. So that that's bound to shift as all of a sudden they have like a 10 and a 13 year old. Yeah. There's it, because you're like, well, we can't have a bunch of knickknacks and stuff because 10 and 13 year olds destroy everything they touch. Yeah. And and so forth. So like the life has to change and then they yeah. move into the subdivision in the suburbs like where I live. Um <laughs> totally. And so I I think that shifts. So a lot of what I'm describing is like it comes with the flexibility of of youth. 
It does. Having expendable income. I mean, it's like what we talked about before, where like being a hipster is fundamentally about like self pleasure at some at some level. Like you're you're gazing at yourself and being delighted by it. And having kids is fundamentally at odds with that, you know, because you have to gaze at someone else. And um, you know, it's probably a good hedge against insufferability at some level. Um, speaking of insufferable, which we've probably been for the last 39 minutes, um, pipe, we got to go. Cause, uh, you've got a heart out. We got to do uh, a little Patreon business, pay some bills over there. Uh, but we've done what we always do Piper in that we have come to the table with a couple of ideas that we intended on talking about. And we've talked about other things. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's good to be back in a groove. It's good. It's good to be back in a groove. Good to talk about some uh, some hipster and southern design aesthetics. Pipe, until next time. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? I mean, you are called by God, and aren't we all praying the big prayer, here I am, Lord, send me. So if we put two and two together, you've got a message to deliver, my friend. Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, art to make, or businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth, unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. I use my mic like a machete, so if you don't like to get your toes stepped on or pushed off cliffs to finally jump on in with Jesus, I may be too much for you. But if you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com today.